This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. When is the best season to book a fly fishing trip? Dave, I have a strong opinion, a very strong opinion about that question. And my answer, and I'm convinced, 100% convinced I'm right, is it depends. Ha! That's right. It depends. There are a lot of questions you have to answer before you make a decision, and that's what we're going to help our listeners do today, because we've had to ask ourselves these questions, right? Absolutely. It seems like every year when we think about planning a trip, we start to go back to these same questions, at least a few of these questions. You and I generally plan one big fly fishing trip a year, but in some years we've actually done two. That has been a while since we've done that, but uh, there's different times a year to fish. The only season we generally don't do a major trip is in the, is in the winter, right? Absolutely, and if you want to do one, uh, hey, I'll be sitting at home thinking of you. <laughs> <laughs> But we're always wrestling with when to go, best time to go, whether early fall, late fall, early summer, late summer, you know, spring. Generally, it's always early spring. So we've come up with a less we, we've come up with a list of questions that we go through to make that decision. Yeah, we have. But before we get to those questions, we, we probably need to state the obvious. Uh, there are so many wonderful places to fish in North America and across the world. And we're limiting this episode to what we know, and that, that has its problems or its limitations. Actually, we have a lot of problems, but yeah. uh, our... Uh, Let's not go into that. Uh, yeah, our, that's right. Our experience has its limits. I mean, primarily, we fished in Montana, Colorado, Wisconsin, uh, Minnesota. Uh, we've also done a little bit of fishing in Michigan, uh, Idaho, Oregon. Uh, I fished a little bit in Pennsylvania, but that was when I was uh, a kid and in high school before I uh, was uh, any kind of a fly fisher. So, yeah, there, there are other places, and we, we haven't, uh, yeah, we just haven't you know, experienced those. So uh, we recognize that, that what we're sharing today will have its limits, but we do think that the questions uh, are going to be the same, right? Absolutely. I think there are some good principles embedded in the questions. And I think as you think about this, while many of our illustrations will be from May, maybe Colorado or Montana, it will help you make your decision or make a bit better decision. Yeah, even if you're fishing in, you know, in Maine or, or Arkansas or, or North Carolina, yeah, this should apply as well. So uh, here we go. Uh, over the years, we keep coming back to these same questions and... Uh, uh, we're going to have to see how this year pans out, given the upheaval in our economy and our communities. But uh, we think these are some great questions to help you plan a bigger, better fly fishing trip. So, Dave, where do we start? The first question is a fundamental one. Is this part of a family vacation? Is this part of Uh-oh. a family vacation? <laughs> Uh, oh, is right. We have discussed this before in past episodes, but it is a fundamental and underlying question to evaluate for your trip. And I think that's true whether you have kids or whether you take 
a non-fishing spouse along, right? So if your spouse is uh, a fly fishing partner, well, that's that's good and that's awesome and that, that simplifies things. But if, if this is really a family vacation and there's folks on the trip who are not fly fishers, especially if you have school-age kids, then obviously this is likely a summer trip. So if you're taking a family vacation, unless you homeschool your kids, generally it's going to be a summer trip. And that obviously limits your options. You know, For example, if you're going to fish in the American West, that means there are some certain windows of time uh, that happen. I have a friend who comes from a high net worth uh, family, and she and her husband took their three kids to Costa Rica for several months, and they homeschooled them while they experienced Costa Rica. I don't know if they're fly fishers. I don't even know if there's fly fishing in Costa Rica. Maybe on the, you know, there's saltwater fishing there. But you know, if you have that kind of flexibility with homeschooling, obviously you can do it some other time than the summer. But so most likely, though, if you're bringing your family, you're automatically choosing the summer. Yeah, that's right, Dave. By the way, a couple moments ago, I said, uh-oh, that's not a reflection on my family, or it's not a reflection on the non-fly fishers, uh, which you know, th- there's going to be issues there, too, but sometimes that's the issue with my expectations. I mean, family dynamics won't let you fish as much as you might like, and I, I know that from experience. So not long after we moved from Montana to Illinois, uh, one of our daughters got married in back in Montana, back in Bozeman, where we had lived. And uh, so after the wedding, my wife and I and our two sons, uh, one in middle school, one in college, were we were both together. And we drove through Yellowstone Park, and we really wanted to fish below Tower Fall. And so my wife, she's so, uh, she's so patient and gracious. She said, look, I'll just stay up in the parking lot and read. So my sons and I hiked down, and oh, we had a blast. They were just, we were killing them on hoppers. It was right at the end of July. I think hoppers had hit a little earlier that year. And But I knew it's not fair to leave her sitting up there. And so, uh, I mean, I would have loved to fish for another two or three hours, but we had to cut that short. So that's, a, that's an issue. And... You know, the other thing, too, Dave, is uh, summer is simply crazy busy in Montana. If that's your vacation destination, Colorado would be the same. I, I don't remember. It was 2004, and I was driving back to South Dakota for a, a high school reunion, and we stopped in Rapid City, South Dakota, and then we went to Montana. Do you remember that? We stayed with you in that house that you had up on the hill there overlooking the valley. And Mm -hmm. you and I fished Highlight Reservoir. We took inner tubes out and fished Highlight. I don't think, Mm -hmm. did we even catch anything that time? I don't No, the the water was really high that time. And I I had had a lot of good success, you know, just, yeah, float tubing that and getting out in the middle, stripping streamers, and every once in a while you'd get a hatch. But, no, the water was up that day, and... Yeah, that just changed everything. We didn't do well at all. But when I think about that trip, that was the only time I fished. And that was one day with you out of probably eight or nine days. Of course, we were on the road a lot. But family vacations are great. It's just not a great, generally a great time to fly fish. I would also say, you talk about the summertime, uh, what kind of hatches are even available in the summer? Let's just say Montana, for example. If we were going to plan a trip, let's say late July, 
early to mid-August, what would we fish? Caddis in the evenings are, are still active throughout the summer. Sometimes we think that, oh yeah, caddis taper off, but wow, there's still, there's still a lot of caddis activity in the evenings during the summer. Uh, salmon flies are great in June in Montana, although the runoff sometimes makes that difficult. Uh, you've got golden stones, uh, PMDs or pale morning duns, especially the evening spinner falls for uh, PMDs. And then uh, terrestrials, uh, you know, beetles, ants, and hoppers late in the summer. Uh, but it's just a great time for attractor patterns. I mean, if you, you know, if you use a, uh, like a, well, good night, it could be a, a humpy or a caddis as an attractor pattern or a, or a little parachute atoms. I mean, you'll, you'll, uh, you'll catch fish. Several years ago, I was out in Colorado for a client, I had a client that had, uh, well, I was out to call in Colorado with a client in western Colorado and fished the evening caddis. And even, you know, July, August, a friend who was out there he said, don't go out into the river till about 8 o'clock. Basically, you have an hour, two hours, you have that window and, and the cat, and you can pound the, pound the fish with caddis. So I guess all that relates to that first question, is this part of a family vacation? Uh, a second question to ask is, am I okay with being cold? <laughs> now, if you can, yeah, I don't know if uh, I'm okay with it, but I will put up with it. Yeah, if you can answer yes to that question, then fishing the rainbows as they move upriver to spawn in early spring, you know, late March to mid-April in Montana or Colorado can really be a boon. Uh, my nephew, Caleb, just sent me some uh, photos of uh, some rainbows he just caught out of the Blue River in Colorado just a few days ago. Man, they were gorgeous, and uh, it made me very envious. But uh, you have to put up with cold to do that. Dave, do you remember the day? This showed up on my Facebook memories. Uh, this was a, a early April, mid-April day fishing with our friend Brendan on the upper Madison Man, we went through every season oh. uh, on that mid-April day. You remember that? I do remember that. I remember the moment where it was the blizzard moment. It was the winter moment. It was raining and then snowing. And I remember we had to take shelter in this little island in the middle of the river. I remember that too. Yeah, and then, then the sun came out later and then it started sleeting again. And then the wind came up and... Man, that's, that's what you get in spring and sometimes even in fall. Yeah. Now, the, the great thing is it's also a time for fewer crowds. Uh, by virtue of the cold, uh, you can eliminate some of the, uh, maybe the wannabes or the, the warm weather fly fishers. You know, you're still going to get locals. You're still going to get some uh, uh, out-of-state folks like us who are, are okay with the weather, but... Uh, it, the crowds are going to be smaller, and that's great. Uh, now, we should talk about fall as well. If you answer yes, you can also fish later in the fall when the browns start to move upriver. And, and again, weather can be sporadic, and you really need it. You need uh, you know, not-so-fun days, kind of the gloomy overcast, spitting snow, uh, rain, uh, to get the browns moving. So last fall in, in October, I was on my way back from uh, a trip to Portland and 
stopped in Montana. You weren't able to, to join me, but I had a, a friend, Greg, who's always wanted to fish, and so we fished a, a tower and a below tower, and man, it was fabulous, just really good. It was it was snowing lightly, just gorgeous. But the fishing was great. Uh, the drive back, not so much. We talked about that in another podcast, yeah. and uh, it was kind of dangerous. So that that's the other thing you, you can face not only uh, adverse weather for you know being out in the elements in nature, but uh, even even the driving get a little bit more complicated. Yeah, we've had snow, haven't we, in Bozeman in the spring. Remember, like one year we had a foot. Didn't we go to the library or do something to, to basically pass the time? Or maybe we went to a bunch of coffee shops. Maybe we just ate our way all through the day, but we had to wait a day to fish, and then it changed actually where we fished the next day as well. Yeah, I remember we went to the library to, to uh, get internet access. That was that was kind of in the day before, uh, you know, everybody had Wi-Fi. So we went to the library, and, and yes, it's true to form. I think we ate our way through the day as well. <laughs> there was also a day that we we took a spin up to Lewistown, Montana, just to see an old friend and to walk the streets of Lewistown, and. I think we did that because we had that extra day and because it had snowed and the rivers were blown out. Yeah, that's exactly right. We were going to fish uh, you know, maybe Big Spring or the places we used to fish up in Lewistown, but I, I think there again the, the weather kind of uh, put the kibosh on things for about a day. So what's another question, Dave? When is the cheapest time to go? And that is a big factor for everyone, especially for you and me. And we don't have unlimited amounts of money. And I remember last fall we were looking at uh, a place in Gartner, Montana, and looking at both Airbnb and the hotel rates. And I was just surprised that even in early September, it was actually mid-September, the rates were still really high. They felt like almost summer rates. And, And when we went there, the 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 park was so busy and i was thinking man has this changed so i don't think early fall is the most cost effective way i think you have to push it into october uh, to get the good rates yeah i think that's true you'll lose some uh tourist activity which is which is nice things are a little bit less uh, hectic but yeah, it's funny, kind of depending on the industry, whether you're talking about motels or, or maybe rod trees on spring creeks, you just, you just have to pay attention because you never know. Uh, rental cars is another one. You just yeah. don't know when that window begins or ends. So you, you have fished on the spring creeks in Paradise Valley. What are their rod fees? What are they in the low, you know, the lower end? Well, what are their fees at the different times of years? Yeah, and I'm I'm more familiar with Nelson's Spring Creek. Thankfully, I think every time I fish that, I've been able to get on it free, just because I I know, uh, you know people that that well one guy in particular who's uh, worked for the Nelsons for years, and he usually has a couple days a year on the creek, and so I would go with him, but. Uh, I, I was looking the other day, and so from November 1st through the end of March, so basically winter, 
Uh, although you, you do get early spring in that, uh, a rod fee is $40. And there's still decent fishing then. Uh, April 2nd through May 31st, it goes up to $80. Uh, June 1st through June 14th is $100. Uh, June 15th to July 31st is $120. And, and this has to do as much as anything with the volume of fly fishers, not necessarily, oh man, July, you know, June 15th to July 31st, that's the absolutely best time to fish. No, it's, it's probably is not. It's good, but uh, it's more expensive because of the number of, yeah, of fly fishers. Yeah. Want. yeah, it's all supply and demand. Then it goes down again in August, it goes back to 100 bucks, and then uh, even September and all the way through October, it's it's $80. Huh. So, yeah, you, you're right. You do have to factor in, you know, when when is this going to be more uh, cost effective? And uh, if you can go in the spring or if you can go later fall, uh, yeah, everything is generally going to be uh, cheaper. And, and if you can't do it then, you have to go during prime time. That's okay, but uh, you're going to pay more. Do the rainbows run up Nelsons in the spring? Yeah, I'm sure they do. I I have honestly not fished uh, Nelsons. Well, no, I take that back. I, I have. I guess I have fished at a time or so in, in the spring, but but I, it wasn't right when uh, you know rainbows were running. Well, we have one final question, and it is: Do I want more options for fishing? or fewer options. And if you're fishing in summer, there are a lot of options. You can hike to the mountain lakes, you can fish smaller streams, as well as the main rivers. If you're out in Montana, you're fishing the Gallatin, the Madison, the Yellowstone, the Missouri. But there's a lot of feeder streams, like what we have fished before, uh, Taylor Fork. And also, is it Taylor's Fork or Taylor Fork? Oh, I think it's Taylor Fork. Yeah, yeah, Taylor Fork. And what was that other? And that is it Fish Creek? Uh, that one that we fished? Uh, Fan it's, Creek? Oh, it's Fan Creek, yes. So there's all these small feeder creeks that you know run into some of these rivers, and they can be really fabulous, and they don't get fished very much because people are just stacking up on, on the Gallatin or the Missouri or the or the, uh, the Yellowstone. So in early spring and late fall, you may not have those options. So you're pretty much fishing the bigger rivers um, and you're fishing for the runners. And certainly in spring, you don't have the option to fish the high mountain lakes, right? Uh, because those are still right. frozen over. Yeah, that makes sense, Dave. So, I mean, the general rule is that, that if you go spring and you go fall, your options are going to be reduced a little bit uh, you do have more options in the summer, but again, it's more costly and, and there are more people. So, Dave, maybe to kind of wrap this up, I'd really be curious. What what would you say is your favorite time of year to fish? If you had to pick a season, do you, do you have a favorite time of year to fish? This is a hard one because uh, some t it's a little bit colored by that great experience we had on the Gardener that we've never been able to replicate. <laughs> Uh, I would still say, though, that mid-September has to be my favorite time of year because you, there's still some hatches, or maybe early to mid-September, you might still get some hopper action. There may be a BWO hole hatch like we caught uh, last year, BWO hatch that we, that we hit last year. And 
and yet you have the option. Sometimes you'll still catch a runner. I think that fish I caught, that big fish I caught on the Madison last year was a runner. So it's, it's a really great window of time. So I would say early September to mid-September, maybe September 20th. How about you? Well, I guess great minds think alike or not so great minds think alike. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm partial to late summer or early fall simply because of the terrestrials, you know, hoppers, and also the warmth, and I like that combination. But I, I have to say this, though. I, my favorite time is whenever the fishing is best. Of course, yeah. you can't always predict that. That's the problem. But I would take a... I would take a cold, rainy day in in end of March or beginning of April or early October. Any day, if I can catch a whole, you know, pile of well, pile of fish. I shouldn't say that because it's not like we take it's not like we take them out and pile them up on the bank. No, we're we're catch and release. That was a figure of speech. So let me say that again. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather fish a cold, rainy day if I catch a whole slew of fish. Is that better? <laughs> the cliches uh, just then, keep coming. Yes, I, I know. The old man metaphors just keep rolling off the tongue. Uh, yeah, anyway, if I catch a whole bunch, <laughs> yeah, I can keep going on forever. Anyway, I'd rather catch a lot of fish. There we go. Then, yeah, in, in a cold day than to be out on this gorgeous, warm day and you know, the end of August, and we don't get anything. But I guess if I don't know that going into it, then, yeah, I, I'm like you. Late summer, early fall is really, really nice. And, yeah, leaves are starting to turn. Uh, people are heading home. Uh, sometimes the elk are starting to bugle in Yellowstone. It's just a great time. And I would also just add, any time where there are fewer people on the rivers, and I the the big loss for me over the years has been the decision not to fish in summer. And it's not just Montana, but even some of those streams in Wisconsin and, and even Minnesota where there's just so much pressure that you just go, you know, if I wanted that many people, I could stay home and, and take a walk in the park, uh, you know, the local park. I don't need to go out to the river and be elbow to elbow. And so... That's a little swarmy, but I have to say that I, there's a sense of loss that I don't fish as much in the summer as I used to fish. Yep, that's true. I, I'd say the same thing. So I, I guess to summarize, I mean, there are pros and cons to each season. Uh, mix it up, try them all, and uh, use our questions. And uh, uh, they're not copyrighted, so you can ask those questions. And, yeah, hopefully that'll help you know when to plan a trip. All right, it's time for great stuff from our listeners. And here's another comment from David, our South Dakota friend. If you keep sending us such great material, we're going to have to rename our podcast Three Guys in a River. Well, this is his response to our episode on the wading risk of soft river bottoms. Here's his comment. Holy moly, Dave, that's some scary stuff. Glad you're okay. And if you're not sure what he's talking about, just go back and uh, listen to that episode and what happened to uh, Dave, Dave Getz. He says, it's amazing how fast things can turn from good to ugly. We put ourselves into predicaments without thinking about it. I remember one hot summer day, my fishing partner and I decided to take what we thought was a simple shortcut up over a hill along the stream we were fishing. 
By the way, I have to stop there and say, Dave Getz, uh, I kind of shudder at the word shortcut because we've had some experiences too. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my. Anyway, yeah, anyway, he continues. He says, I went first, followed closely by my partner. As I hit the peak of the hill, I had to maneuver around a couple boulders. All of a sudden, I started to slide towards the edge of the cliff about 30 feet above the stream. I came across some loose sand and gravel. I yelled to my partner not to follow. I froze in my tracks, but every time I started to move, I started slipping closer and closer to the edge. I started to panic. I was trying to figure out how I was going to get out of this situation, and there didn't seem to be many options. I looked around, saw a little root sticking out of the soil, and I mean little. So I laid down on my belly and started to slide again. I reached for the root and I grabbed a hole, not wanting to put much pressure on the root, fearing it would snap when I'd be over the edge, landing on who knows what. But thankfully it held enough that I got some footing and was able to climb out of trouble. I sat there for a bit, gaining my composure, thought to myself how stupid I was. What the heck was I thinking or not thinking? And that's the end of this quote. Wow. <laughs> that is exactly how fly fishers die. I mean, if he had gone over that, yeah. he would have at least been injured significantly. And again, innocent, it wasn't like he was being, st it really wasn't like he was being stupid, right? I mean, you, you get no. into, the, he's right, you get into these predicaments willy-nilly without knowing it, and next thing you know, you're confronted with having to grab a root to prevent you from going over the cliff. Wow. Oh, man, that's true. Yeah, I, I'm sure a few years ago I told this story. I was fishing uh, Upper Two Medicine uh, Lake in Glacier National Park, and I had my little brother. I was in high school. He was, or no, I was in college, Dave. I, it was after our freshman year, so this was like 1981. And so he, my brother was, uh, still is like 11 and a half younger years younger than I am. So he's like nine or ten or something, and and so I. Decided I'd take him around the lake. Well, about halfway around the lake, before I realized what I had done, we were kind of on the side of this. I mean, it's just kind of this cliff that just slides right down into the into this deep lake, and it's not like there's a bank. I mean, you know, if you end up in the lake, it's immediately 12, 15 foot feet deep, and and boy, we had to we had to hang on to. Uh, uh, you know, pine trees that were kind of growing out of cracks in the side of that thing and, you know, finally got through it. But I thought, what have I done? And yeah, David's uh, story and, and our stories are just reminders that uh, you can never be too careful, never too thoughtful, or who knows what kind of predicament you'll end up in. That reminds me of a story a couple of years ago. I took a client out fly fishing to a high mountain lake in Colorado and he lives out there, and he had never fished actually before. And and we were probably up three or four miles above the timber line, and we took an avalanche chute down. And we did not climb the avalanche chute going up. I had actually done it before. I've climbed it up and actually gone down it again. But it had been like 15 years, and I went. we took it down again. And I, I'm telling you that there were a couple moments when I thought, you know, I'm going to die before the end of this day is over. And I had a waiting staff, but the loose shale and the steep, mm. how steep it was, I just forgot 
things it felt like it felt like it become more unstable 15 years later but of course i had no memory of how steep it was and it was so yeah. stupid and so high risk but that idea of slipping and and sliding on shale or loose stone i tell you what it's a high risk when you're when you're up in country like that where there's you know there's cliffs and 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 risk like that yeah, that's so true, and that's a theme kind of in our podcast is uh, safety, and we've, we've recognized areas in the past where we haven't been as safe. We've tried to correct those because, uh, you know, all it takes is one uh, slip, and, and things can turn bad. So uh, we don't want to end on a negative note. Hey, we, <laughs> we just want you to stay safe. Yeah, because you're going to be, as a result of this podcast, asking some great questions and planning a fantastic trip. And when you're done with it, we'd love to hear all about it. Well, that's going to do it for today. Hey, thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. <laughs>